everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush, um, which today I think we almost renamed the show to Are You Crying? Um, and it's going to be a very touching, special episode of this show. Uh, but in case you're tuning in for the first time, this show is all about innovation, ideas, creativity, people reinventing or inventing new ways of doing things, uh, smart people, and uh, we don't stop. We don't stop. Not today. Um, so uh, first of all, you're, you're breaking records. By the, did you know that? I had no idea. This is, your, this, your, this is a three-peat for you. Hey. Um, that's Paula Miranda, my uh, guest co-host uh, for today. Say hello again. Hello, everybody. I'm going to um, spare everybody like your introductory stuff because here's what I'm going to do. They have to go back and listen to the other episodes hi. that you were on in order nice. to learn who you are. Um, which was Dennis Hong, the robot guy. The robotics guy. And uh, do you remember the other one you were on? Uh, oh, that's terrible. Oh, no, yes. From um, from uh, Young Turks. Yes. Jank uh, Uger. Jank. He was he on was something awesome. yesterday. He was awesome. Um, and <laughs> guess who else is awesome? Anthony Demby. Uh-oh. <laughs> Say hello, Anthony. What's up? Hey. Um, so thanks for, for dropping by. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, and welcome to Los Angeles. I know it very well. Sometimes too well. <laughs> uh, I guess for for starters, kind of give us a little bit of one hundred and one on who Anthony is. Um, you can talk in first person though. I didn't have to do third person like I just did. Okay, so I'm <laughs> Anthony Demby. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm the founder of a company called Humble Riot, which is a a company that focuses on integrating music and culture into the lifestyle and efforts of a brand in a meaningful way. Um, we focus on emerging talent. Ways to fuse wellness, food, music, art, and film all together to create a magnificent cultural experience. That is, it is a riot. It is. Most days it is. <laughs> Define the, the the phrase, or you spell it actually as one word. But mm-hmm. what is a humble riot? Humble riot to us is fighting for things you want in life in the most positive way possible. So I think people hear the word fight and they think it's like an, an aggressive or negative thing, but we want to fight for change, fight for movements, fight for things that mean something that resonate with people. Is fight an aggressive word? Because hey, this are like arguable in like cancer community. Like, oh, we're fighting cancer. We're the, but there's also this thinking of like, look, like you should love the illness or the, you know, right. the, the dis-ease, I will say. Not dis-ease, right. but like. It's passion. Yeah. It's really passion. I agree you with know? that. It's okay. a very high level of passion. Probably the highest level of passion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to steal a quote from your website. It's uh, a collective of peaceful warriors armed with a loaded clip of authenticity and awareness who utilize music and culture to tell stories. That's us. Um, so I, I guess, I don't know, let's, let, can we put it in perspective? Mm-hmm. You know, what does, how does Humble Riot come to life in the in the marketplace? Like if you have an example of something that's the, the, that exemplifies that. So... So the reason I'm out here right now is I'm working on a project called Peak Mind, which is, now I'm an avid meditator for the last eight years of my life. It's changed everything I do. And one of, one of our goals is to spread that to the masses. So I'm out here to do a thing called Peak Mind, which is a meditation summit we're having on Saturday in Irvine, and we're hosting the Dalai Lama, who's speaking. And we have Aloe Black performing, Force Whitaker introducing him. So that's why... Amazing. I got on the plane yesterday to come out here. That is... Uh, you, That's amazing. <laughs> you, you answered the question, like, so distinctly. Like, I, I thought it was, I I was going to stump you. Um, <laughs> so, 
what's the genesis of something like that, right? Like nobody goes. I mean, it doesn't sound like there's a brand involved. It doesn't sound no like you know involved. what I mean. Like no. there's no like you know in business goal. I, I, I'm sure. You're, I mean, you know, from from however your business is structured, but um, to think of that sort of mashup, right? What is in your? In, I don't know. From your perspective, what's the meaning? Like why why mash all those three things together in, in one experience? Well, I think you know. A lot of people in my circle, we all meditate. We're all creative people. We're all people who are inspired by life, and we want to spread the joy that we feel every day to the masses. So we, so we thought, you know, who can we get that could exemplify that in the biggest way possible? So we won this charge. My good friend Michael Trainer, who is one of the original founders of Global Citizen Festival, this was his idea, and he brought me on board on the development team, and we started plugging away and really an effort to create an event that was very special and this event will be also webcast as well on Dalai Lama's website. So everyone can see who's not, who's not there in person to really spread the power of meditation to the world. So mm-hmm. that's the pretty much bottom line intention. And for us, there's no end game with that because there's always more work to be done. So this is like the first step towards that. Um, can you call the Dalai Lama up and invite him to your events? <laughs> you know, last time I checked, I had, for some reason I had the wrong contact. I, I think he changed his number, though. You know, maybe you wouldn't mind giving me no the contacts because I know he's been wondering why I haven't called him. He I asked about you. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, so everyone. I, I, I mean, I think that's obviously like indicative of a level of success, right? In yeah. terms of what you've been doing, you know, yes, the past eight years of meditation, but mm-hmm. also your 18-year career in music yeah. and culture. Um, how you know? What does it take to cultivate those kinds of relationships? Because you know, from what every time I talk to you, it's like you know somebody else knew. Like some mm-hmm. something amazing has happened. You like something has like leapfrogged from the last time we talked about it. You know, but that all to me, at least part of it, yeah, stems from some form of relationship development. Well, I think it's also the power of vibration, the power of a collective consciousness. You know, as you elevate in life and you start to glean more insights about things, you your awareness raises and by doing that you attract more people into your life who are on the same frequency then you grow together and you meet more and more people so these things all develop out of that so those are those are bonds developed out of being in the same path of awareness is that how much of that is um because you know i I think sometimes i'll speak for myself personally Mm -hmm. and i'm sure other, other people do it like how much of that comes naturally for you Right, because a lot of times, like we, we've all read sort of the oh the self help books and like or the oh, secret Wayne, or something exactly, <laughs> and you're like, I'm supposed to be doing X versus like yeah. just doing it, right? It, one in one instance it's a, it's a task, yeah. In another instance is just a way of being. So for me, like I was raised extremely socially, like too, probably too much. Like my mom was involved in all these very powerful women's groups growing up, and so I would I would literally come out of my bedroom as a child, and they'd be like. Three women in my living room, like looking at me. I'm just like, what is who are these people? So I was always forced to interact at a very early age. So it made me very personable and very social. So my life has always been that way. So connecting with people hasn't been something that's been very difficult for me personally. And plus, I've had a myriad of jobs. So I was able to take those people along with me three step in my life, in my career. That's great. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, Kind of walk us through a little bit of your history, right? As far as, I mean, it's a lengthy and adventurous history, but, you know, to kind of put the, that journey and the okay. steps along the way into perspective. I'll give you the most abridged version as possible. So, hey, we got time. You can go under. We got time? 19. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I see a clock over there ticking down. Um, so, I'm from Houston, Texas originally. Um, I grew up playing instruments my whole life from trumpet, cornet, baritone, piano, and violin. 
went to school at Morehouse College. I became known as the music guy on campus. So people would ask me, you know, what album should I be buying this week? I said, you should buy the Far Side or the, Dim- or the Diamond D album or, or buy this record. So I became known as the music guy on campus, start, interview- start interning for record labels like LaFace and uh, Relativity Records, like when Common put out, used to love her way back in the day, I was doing those kind of things. So I was like that guy on campus and then moved to L.A., um, got a job at MCA Records, a very tough job. <laughs> um, what was tough about it? I, I think the environment. I think I came into a place where it's kind of chaotic, and it wasn't like I was trained. I was like, you're starting do these eight things, and I was like, I don't know what four of these things are. you know. But <laughs> I had to learn on the fly. Um, worked at a few labels out here, um, MCA, Aftermath, uh, Mercury, and Def Jam. Moved to New York, and I've been in New York now for 14 years. I was working at Arista Records back then as a pub liaisist, I like to say, you know, working with, um, <laughs> they don't all lie. Not all of them. <laughs> 90. Yeah. yeah. 8%. Anyway, so I was doing that and I'm um, working with artists like Avril Lavigne, Outkast, Usher, Anthony Hamilton. And then I started managing artists more so first as producers and then getting into artists, working with David Sonnenberg at DOS communications. I was there for about six years working with John legend and a few other people and started humble, Riot Five years ago, initially humble, Riot Was, an artist management company, as you know, and also working with brands as well as a component of that. In 2013, I decided to leave artist management after 10 years and focus on just working on building my brand relationships and extending that part of my business. Um, and I also read that, I mean, you kind of coin or you call uh, Humble Right an audible ideas shop. Mm-hmm. Um, explain what that means. So, you know, we feel everything has a very unique sound and vibration. So we work with our clients. How do I sound, by the way? You have a great voice. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Just, you're meant to should do I, this. Should I leave right now? <laughs> no, no. Do you need How do I sound, Paula? I need, I'm having a bad day. Just need some, re, re, <laughs> some reassurance. Just talk and listen to yourself and everything will be fine. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we feel everything has a unique sound and vibration. So we work with our clients to identify what that is for them. So, you know, when we're working with Heineken, they're putting out, you know, our, like trying to find an initiative for their dark beer. We create Heineken after dark. That's like their their sound and we create like experiences around it to ex- extend that sound by partnering with different artists it could be songs for campaigns it could be a live pop-up show it really varies but we find a sound for them have you gotten into sort of the science of sound and science of vibration at all i'm getting into that a little bit right now right i've been going on my own just going to some sound healing classes to learn more about that and just sound therapy and just learn how really sound really affects your brain and how it triggers emotions and reactions. So you see how we can play that a little bit in our business. I, uh, I had a, recently had a conversation with a guy from iHeart, kind of okay. high up the food chain there. And it's amazing. Like you would think it's just like, oh, you know, radio and artists and talent and all that thing. But they, um, they've actually done a lot of scientific studies on the effects of sound on Absolutely. people. Yeah, you know, like hours and hours and months worth of just data mm-hmm. on like how it affects physiolo- you know, uh, physiology, Mm-hmm. Uh, mood, like in just different tones, it, you would think like it's kind of like Clear Channel, like it's a bunch of radio shows mm-hmm. or whatever. But um, but to get down into the science of vibration and frequency and mm-hmm. what that actually means in in terms of developing a product or developing experience is pretty pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you also 
There's a project, uh, the food salon. We were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are happening. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, walk us through that because I, I, I think that's another kind of you know perfect example of combining these two worlds of mm-hmm. you know sound and experience in a, in a different way, though. Yeah. So this idea came about from Questlove, as you know, and is um, former manager who passed away, Rich Nichols, who was like a mentor of mine and Alexis Rosenweig, who manages Amir Questlove for his food business. And, you know, he loves the culinary world. So he put together these small gatherings at his home in New York where he invited 50 of his, of his closest friends and brought in three chefs from all around the world. And each chef was assigned to, to create, like, a dish for a course. So there'd be an entree, a dinner, um, an entree appetizer, and a dessert. So, and I went to a few of them, and they're really amazing because you see the most random people there so he would have like you know Wyatt Sinek or David Cross and then one day this woman walked in <laughs> with a swan on her back and I was like a real swan or like some kind of swan <laughs> thing on her outfit and I was like that's something that Bjorka wear and she turns around and I was like yeah that's her and she's right there in this living room <laughs> like I was trying to keep it together and <laughs> which is weird you know so so I went to them and then I came to um being that work in the brand space, I pitched um, one of my clients, which is Dell, on um, what, what Amir has created, and I said, you know, how? And I think you all have a good time getting involved in this. So we found a way for them to be inserted in this in a meaningful way that made sense, and we brought this fruit salon to LA for the Grammys this year, where the crowd was culinary and also music. So you had artists like Bat for Lashes and Fantagram, and Mayor Hawthorne and Adrian Young were there, and then we also brought it to Art Basel last year, where we had the art world. So we had. Hugo McLeod, um, Jeffrey Deitch, um, Daniel Arsham, that kind of crowd too, as well. Um, how do you, how do you sell these things? Because <laughs> you know it's like I, I think when you go when you walk into a brand, and you're like, yeah, you, you're trying to explain, like, mm-hmm. you know, these sort of kind of highbrow concepts. I'll just call yeah. them just for the sake of conversation, but. Um, but, you know, uh, most of them want those things that they can get immediately mm-hmm. or they understand immediately. Or, oh, it's only 40 people. Then, what? like, you know, why, right. <laughs> why are we going to get involved in that? Right. You know. Um, but I think, you know, like, I don't have a direct answer for that, honestly. I think it's case-by-case scenario. But I think brands really care about culture and want to understand how they integrate themselves in culture in a way that's authentic. I always tell my clients, you don't want to say, hey, come buy this shoe, you know, or just – get involved with this campaign, you want to pop up where people are congregating in their world because you're being respectful to them and you're coming into their world, but in a way that they congregate, in the way they interact, as opposed to saying, as opposed to throwing your blanket over top of it with a banner and say, you know, buy this or come to this experience. Like, let's insert ourselves in a way that's, that's real. So, and I think also culture is also an intangible for a lot of brands because they don't know what that is. It's just more about selling them on that idea and then applying the data metrics on the back end to make it make sense for them to invest in that. Now, how much of it is actually being a part of the culture versus like data and re- you know what I mean? You know, you can read almost huge statistics part. on things, and you're like, okay, this is what the kids are doing, and then you try yeah. to do that thing and it doesn't work. Versus <laughs> like being in it and going like, okay, come with me if you want. That's what I'm doing. Like you know, this is what we do. This is what we talk about. This is what we're talking to. This is how we talk to each other. Let's get you involved, involved in this conversation. But I mean, I, I'm the demographic for most of the clients I choose to work with, so I, I'm like my own inside man. Which is me. <laughs> <laughs> what have you What have you been most uncomfortable? Like, have you ever had to go outside your, like, you know, go back to your uh, your baritone days? Or <laughs> like, wait, I don't play that anymore. But uh, let me let me see if I know somebody. Um, sometimes, like, 
at the very beginning when I was getting involved in the brand space after being a manager, you know, I would get in these, in these, I find myself in the boardroom with the brand talking about the project and, you know, they talk in brand speak and I'm just, and I'm listening, I'm just like, I'm listening to all the acronyms. I'm like, okay, I know what that means. I'm like, what are they talking about right now? And I go online afterwards and be like, okay, oh, this means that. So like <laughs> kind of learning on the fly and also, you know, my girlfriend back then was working at Coca-Cola. So I would go home and say, I was like, yo, what, is, what did they mean by this? And she would like fill me in. Mm. And what it is, so I can kind of spin what I'm doing and make it f- make sense to them and translate well. You like you had the time, you know, like the the because I've been immediately same thing. Like yeah, like oh, what's a, I, uh, an email the other day came like, look, oh, isn't this from the ABL budget? And I was like, I don't I don't know if it's from the ABL budget, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe, perhaps. <laughs> let me get back to you. Right? right? Yeah, let me get back. He's googling like all you know all the acronyms pop up. Yeah. American Basketball League, <laughs> right? <laughs> KPI? Like, KPI. It took, KPI took me forever. I was like, you mean the goal? <laughs> Gosh. I remember I was at a meeting and the first question was, what's your elevator? I think you were there. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. And okay. I was like, oh, the meeting's begun now. Like, we're, we're here. <laughs> right. No, I remember. It, it, and, but that's also like, you know, uh, people's dialogues and mm-hmm. how they communicate, you know, like, they shortened the the phrase for elevator pitch, right? It was like, right. oh, so what's your elevator? And you're like, hmm? Uh, you're like, okay, it's the elevator. <laughs> right. The remix? Like, I'm about to jump in right away. I answered the question, I think, pretty effectively, but it was cool for me to have that that learning right then and there at the beginning of the meeting, which is cool. Well, it's also, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think when you get in enough of these situations, mm-hmm. you ki- like you can kind of navigate enough. Yeah. Like, you know, like you've obviously been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. and encountered enough people. Like, I think Malcolm yeah. Gladwell talks about thin slicing, right? This mm-hmm. idea of like you've had enough experiences that you, it, it takes you less and less time to size up every new experience mm-hmm. because, you Interesting. Know, like, yeah, yeah, just because of like memory and, you know, muscle memory. Like, exactly. Okay. Uh, like if, uh, uh, anyway, but uh, that's, a, that's super interesting. Um, you keep talking about this idea of um learning on the fly mm-hmm. right um you know kind of i don't know it, it, walk i know you probably haven't like broken it down mm-hmm. in like into a scientific methodology right because that's not what it is but um i don't know from a young age till now it sounds like that's kind of one of the things you've been able to do and especially mm-hmm. when you're dealing with artists and you're dealing with you know oh like there's a happenstance moment like oh the, this brand we're, we're talking to mm-hmm. may be interested in doing this um how do you how do you successfully learn on the fly? Because it, it could be it, it could go the other way, right? It could easily go the other way. I think for me, I push myself to do things that I don't normally do all the time. Like it could be like I want to try snowboarding, never done before in my life. I'm just gonna do it. I want to try surfing, and I'll just start doing it. And then I've kind of convinced myself that nothing's impossible. So I kind of just push myself to do things that are out of my wheelhouse to bring them into my wheelhouse. And I think that just translates to my business. And I have that same exact approach. That's great. Is that? Do you think that part of that is from the experiences that you've been given through meditation? That it's kind of given you that willingness to just open and and yeah, kind of be present. Absolutely. I mean, meditation has definitely made me just more open and definitely open to the way I approach my business, the way I, I talk to people, the way I'm present with people and listen to their ideas, and it kind of pushes my ego back a lot more. So. If we're having a conversation, I won't come into it trying to dominate with my perception. I'll, I'll respectfully listen, so because I, I think I learned that more that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I guess with the meditation piece, mm-hmm. you know, 
how intense of a meditation is because there's all forms of meditation, yeah. right? Like there's, uh, but the, what have you found? Because obviously with a busy schedule mm-hmm. and you know Brooklyn to L.A. Yeah. to you know to Art Basel and yeah. you know you're not. I, I don't know. Like, are you getting up every morning at five and like spending an hour? <laughs> no, I, I do it twice a day. Um, so my routine usually is I'll get up in the morning around seven fifteen. This is I'll give you my week. This okay. is inside information here. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I have a running crew. So we run seven thirty in the morning, like four or five miles. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I'll, I'll run, come home, shower, I'll meditate for twenty minutes, and then nine a.m. I'm on the clock. So I don't do any work before nine a.m. during the week. I have that. I carve out that time before just to get kind of ground myself and center myself to get my head right for the day. Right. And then nine. But don't you really want to? I'm, like I like when I would get up in the morning, I'm like, ooh, I could like a, I feel like I can get a jump on the day, which, yeah. Which you're getting a jump on the day in a different way, right? Like, does it ever pop up? Like, ah, uh, like I would love to respond to that email or send off that. Deck. I used to, but for me, meditation takes the urgency off of things. So I might just want to jump on something. Like when I'm traveling, I'm in the airport at 5 a.m. I'm in the airport on email. I'll do that. But besides, like on my normal days, I don't do that. And then um, Tuesday. Um, I'll do yoga in the morning, I'll meditate, and then off Thursday, that's like my one off day of the week. Um, but I still meditate those days, and then I run on Saturday, like a long run, cross-train Sunday, but I meditate all those days. And then in the afternoon, um, I meditate then. If I'm working out of, like, if I'm at, like, a Noi House or So House, I'll go into <laughs> a bathroom stall and just close the stall and sit there for, like, 15, 20 minutes. And at that time... I'm using an app because I don't want to hear what's happening in the bathroom while I'm meditating. <laughs> That's it just, what I was going for next. It's, it's a wild experience, but I, I carve out that time because by doing that, it gives me more time to do everything else I want to do. Uh, yeah. you're, you're a yogi. Yes, I am. Um, can you, I don't know, can you relate to what he's saying as far as like the, the outcome? Of so, you yeah. know, sort of those, those practices. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's funny because you mentioned the meditation and the practice, and I'm listening to how you kind of structure your day. And mm-hmm. I think for myself personally, mm-hmm. I'm in a space where I've been told I should be meditating for, I don't know, for years, for like the last 10 years. But mm-hmm. it really wasn't until, I mean, even with my let me go back a little bit like with my yoga that's when I started to first get exposed mm-hmm. to meditation the idea of it but it was all through my practice mm-hmm. and then from that I started reading more books and mm-hmm. you know that whole self-realization thing that yeah. happens and um, and then that kind of grew to me starting to make time for meditation mm-hmm. first thing in the morning and so I understand like the the way that you kind of structure your morning out but for me mm-hmm. what I struggle with is being consistent with the meditation every single morning mm-hmm. because of those times where things do pop up and you have to answer that email. Yeah, right life away. happens. Yeah, that's like where. But I, I try not to judge myself. Yeah, and I try to right, just right. like go with I'll the judge flow. You. Thank you. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Failure. <laughs> so because of that, though, I, I, yeah. I do understand. But I am, I'm kind of slightly excited because I yeah. feel like I am on a certain vibration where I'm starting to hear a lot more. I'm starting to cross paths with a lot more people that mm-hmm. do that as well. Yeah. And you know, I'm still very young in mm-hmm. my meditation practice, but I do try to do 20 minutes. 
Yeah. So it's good. It's, it's like, all you can do. Yeah. And yeah. I've learned different apps that kind of help. And, yeah. and it's kind of fun in this exploratory way right now that, that like where I'm at, where I'm learning about the differences of different meditation methods. Mm-hmm. So whether it's like a guided meditation mm-hmm. or with music, vibration, like just looking at the sound mm-hmm. and how that kind of influences your your brain on the electronic level or else yeah. also going and doing like TM and mm-hmm. so and what that is. So yeah. it's been it's good though. You know, yeah. I think I, I feel like just my awareness to it is mm-hmm. going to just help guide me more and more. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And like I'm working like I learned first Vedic meditation and then I learned T M. Mm-hmm. So I kinda navigate between By the way, both. for both of you guys, what's Vedic and what's T M? You know, for I know me, TMI, which I hope this is not <laughs> what it is. This is definitely not that. Okay. That's, right. a, that's a different, yeah, <laughs> not that. No, like, I mean, for me, I don't, there's not a huge difference to me. I mean, I may get slammed for saying that, but I haven't felt, you know, they're both mantra-based meditations. Mm-hmm. They're both 20 minutes. Um, I think the learning is a little bit different the way you learn both of them. But um, to me, they feel very similar. Um, I do some guided ones as well. I have a couple of apps I use. One's called Calm. And it could be a guided meditation when someone's speaking or just like the sound of rain falling or or just like um, a sunset or waves coming in or something like that. And I do this a lot when I'm on in the bathroom stall. I'm using those apps. And then also I'm using when I'm on the subway in New York, I'll have an app and I'll do that too as well. And I kind of time my ride to the city. I live in Brooklyn, so it could be a 15 minute at that time, you know. And sometimes I can go too far where I'm so zen out it's hard to get into my day because sometimes – I'll do the meditation on the train, then I'll just leave the the ocean waves on. I'll be walking through the city to the <laughs> office and I get to work, I'm just like a surfer dude at that point. I'm just like I'm out there like and just, I just feel crazy. Hair is all blonde. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um what was happening nine years ago? Right? So mm. like you go you know, like nine when years you, ago you're like cruising along, you're doing yeah. fine and then you're like, hmm. I need, I need to meditate. To, yeah, exactly. Like where like <laughs> I just I found like I became at the burdens of my own anxiety and a close friend of mine started meditating and I saw how she changed and I was like, wow, she's uptight. She's mad chill right now. Like, what is she doing? You know? So I went to the same school she did like probably a month after she did. And then that was it. And I started seeing, but the changes were very subtle. They were never overnight. There's nothing overnight about meditations. That's why you need to be patient to do it. And there's no, people say, I'm not doing it right. There's no right or wrong. You know, your thoughts aren't going to stop coming into your head. I mean, it's just about consistently, consistency and and just being determined to do it and making time for it. And Do you suggest, like, going to a school? Because you mentioned you went based on what you saw your friends mm-hmm. doing. Like, or because I haven't even mm-hmm. thought about doing that. I've yeah. just kind of been introduced to it. You know, yeah. Deepak and Oprah yeah, did yeah. that one. No, I did 21 and, Days. Know, and then, like, I Russ, do those. Russell Simmons, he's yeah. always talking about his. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I've been exposed to it. Yeah. I, I, there's no wrong way. I think the school was good for me because they gave me some structure. So it was like a three-day thing where I went to an introduction talk in the evening. And then on the weekends, I just went to two days of just four-hour sessions learning about med- what meditation is, the practice, how it affects your brain. Then you graduate on Monday, and then you start doing it. Hmm. And I think a lot of my friends saw how I've changed, and they've they've jumped on that wagon too and started doing it as well. So that's one of my – Did you I, lose any friends? Um, people thought I was acting really hippy dippy mm-hmm. at first because I was talking about it. You know, I wasn't wearing peace signs on my shirt, but I was like, <laughs> I was definitely spreading the gospel. So a couple of my friends, they didn't fall back. They some people were like, okay, you're kind of on one right now, and then, but I was super 
you know, chill and being efficient while I was doing it. And they saw the change and then they came back, you know? So, so. Um, I guess all in all, like, how has this affected you as a business person, right? Like, at the at the end of the day, you mm-hmm. know, when you kind of align your, you know, your sort of spiritual mission mm-hmm. with your work mission, where do those worlds collide? Where do you see sort of, like, the fruits of both of your labors? Well, for... For one, efficiency, because it slows things down, and I can see what's working and what's not working. It's making me more mindful while I'm dealing and talking to people. Um, it's making me also very present. So say, like, like right now I'm working on five projects. So I'm talking to project number one. I'm just dealing with them. I'm not thinking about three and four. I'm just focused on them so I can maximize that conversation to deliver what I have to give to them. Um, but as far as... I mean, it, it definitely has affected my my revenue because I've I've gotten more opportunities because I've been able to deliver what I've done because it's it's a foundation of what I do right you know so it's definitely helped me in that respect that's awesome and I'm having a way to put those things together with music now we did an event in New York now two weeks ago called um, The Big Quiet where we did a show at Prospect in um, Central Park Summer Stage and we had a few hundred folks meditating in a light rain and then I saw that on yeah. Instagram and stuff I was kind of jealous I yeah. wasn't in New York I was like dang that would have been amazing it was, it was really you, you would have dug it and it was um, so we had like folks meditating my friend Jesse Israel um, kind of created the concept and we all helped him out and facilitate it and then we had a performance by, by um, IBA Jungle and Sonny Cologne afterwards and it was like a really dope day that's crazy yeah um, that's awesome so the show is called Innovation Crush Yep. Um, we've talked about everything from space travel to, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and fighting you right, know, right. in a lot of different ways. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm curious as to what's your innovation crush? Like, what do you see out in the world right now that you're kind of crushing on and you're like, oh, man, that is actually, I wish I had done that or that's just cool to, to see happen. Um, it's interesting. Like, right now, I'm really, I really like the possibility of virtual reality. I think it's interesting. I think it's cool from a void perspective of like, you know, you you drop into a different world and see something that you may not be in your current reality, but also how it's going to change different businesses, like how it's going to change medicine or also change, you know, empathy. You know, I've seen some companies where they've, you know, they they have a a thing where they put you in Syria, you know, so you can see what's happening there so you can be on the ground and see like what's real over there or they put you back at the you know, the Trayvon Martin shooting. So you can actually see what happened that night and it increases empathy and brings people closer to real topics. So I like how that's I actually did the Trayvon people. Martin experience. Pretty crazy, right? Which was, that was intense. And you know, like I yeah. walked into it, like cause you, I, think, I think when people first think about VR, they yeah. still think game, yeah. right? You still think it's going to be something fun and like, oh, cool. This is, and like even for the Trayvon Martin thing, I kind of knew what I was getting to. I was like, yeah. but, uh, but it was so intense because what they did was they took the... Um, all the audio from the 911 calls, like yeah. the real life audio. So they time stamped this experience. So yeah. it starts off with George Zimmer's, uh, George Zimmer, Zimmerman. Zimmerman, yeah. Yeah, George Zimmerman's like calling 911 and, you know, it's kind of his POV. Yeah. And it's all digitally re, you know, recreated. So it's not mm-hmm. like it's photo real. But this, still, and then like he's like, oh, he's running. And then, you know, he's like, oh, stand back. And then they phase to black and it goes to another phone call. You're like you're inside somebody's apartment. In, in and, the neighbor's house and they're calling yeah, the cops. And yeah. the neighbor's calling the cops and it's like, oh, I, it sounds like they're fighting and blah. Blah, blah. And it's like Jimmy, get away from the window, and then Jimmy runs from the window. You're just standing in the living room, like with them, and it's it's super trippy. But you're right, like 
uh, empathy is a great word to use for that because I think mm-hmm. you know they've been using VR to treat phobias, right? If you're fear yeah. of snakes, like we'll gently introduce you to a pit of snakes. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't gently. know if that would help or not. It's not really a gentle. <laughs> well, you know, introduction, it's one but... snake first, <laughs> and, then, and then you keep keep going down the elevator. Right. Know. There's a lot of snakes in here. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna meditate. The snakes will just go away. Exactly. Snakes. Everything right. will go away. Um, right. You'll go away. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess next up is uh, I want you to complete a phrase for me. Okay. Uh, innovation to me is. Oh damn! Oh damn's not my answer, by the way. Um, <laughs> innovation to me is damn. Innovation to me is fearlessness. Hmm. You know you, because you're creating something that's not there, right? And you're looking. And you're not, you're looking at what's been done in history, and you're looking to go beyond that to a place that's unchartered. So you're you're going there. So it's fearlessness. That's great. Uh, along that journey, yours, like what what are, what are you excited about this coming up for Humble Right? You know, just where's your fearlessness come into into play? So I'm getting a chance right now to work on a a retreat for producers and DJs, and um, I can't say who it is, and there's a brand sponsor involved, but my you know, my. I'm sorry, who is it? Um, it's. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How do I mute this again? Um, but I'm curating, like, I'm programming what these guys are doing for the, next, for the next three days, right? So, some of my favorite guys from all around the world and women as well, music creators, and they'll Thanks be together for, for three days. Us. First and foremost, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So. I was going to do a Caitlyn Jenner joke, but then I, was, I, 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 I was too slow on the trigger. <laughs> so, so, my goal is as a fan of music, to create what these people are doing for three days, like the programming, how they're engaging, and you know, kind of my verticals are, you know, education, empowerment, and collaboration. So, and they're all they come with different skill sets. So how we put those together, put everything on the table, and talk about what's missing, what blanks we can fill, how we can inspire each other to reach our goals, and what can we create out of this. So, I'm working on that right now, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm working on a project um, with my buddy Ant Rich, who you know very well. Fan for life. Um, you did. You, there you she's, go. She's like, you know Aunt Rich? And I was like, then I felt left out. Cause, um, <laughs> yeah. Which I, I still feel like, left out. I was like, how don't you know Aunt Rich? Never <laughs> mind. I'm not talking to you anymore. He's family. He's, he's my brother. And we're working on another um, project with Norman Lear that I can talk about at some point. Norman's um, my twin. Same birthday. You look young for nice your age. People. If you're Norman's Oh, yeah. Twin, yeah. No, this right here? Right. Puerto Rican Mexican baby. Yeah. Don't crap. <laughs> so you're 92 years old yeah, right now. Sure am. <laughs> 92 years old. <laughs> Jeez. So that I'm excited about. Um, I'm also working with a brand right now on a new division of their company that they've let me launch with them that's fusing the elements of music, technology, and art together to create immersive experiences. So. I know, I know we're running out of time, and it sounds like you're running out of time. Like, I, yeah. like how do you manage all this, like, you know, all these different initiatives as sort yeah. of a solopreneur slash yeah. entrepreneur? You know, how does... How do, how? Got a strong team. A strong right. team that, you know, they're very good at what they do, and I only have them focus on, you know, doing what they're best at. So when I hire them, I have them do these modules to learn more about their skill sets and kind of got those analytics and... Oh, she's good at this, so I'm gonna have her only focus on these kind of projects. So they're very segmented. What's a module like? What uh, like a strength finder test? Okay, okay. Yeah, so doing those kind of things, and um, so my team is solid. You know, we're kind of all aligned the same kind of way we approach the world, and I'm really into like productivity apps right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm really into Slack. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. people, which love is like the Slack. best thing because it yeah. keeps me 
from being buried in my inbox, which is like amazing. So, yeah, that's my team. Um, well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This, this is, is awesome. Yeah. It's Ladies and gentlemen, it was Tupac Chopra. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tupac Chopra has joined us. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Um, they can find my site is HumbleRiot.com. Instagram's the same. And my personal with all my antics is Dembycratic, D-E-M-B-Y-C-R-A-T-I-C. That's me on Instagram and everything else. With the smiley face on the Twitter. That's uh, me. Have a nice day face. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, any last words? I mean, not last words, but you know. Just. Sounds so final. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have your will here. All right. Uh, everybody, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Peace. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to YouTube.com slash WaitForItComedy no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and i love you a few days ago brooke tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments thumbs up brooke Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.